0: Doing good, doing good. Uh, Just uh, keeping busy and uh, enjoying the last days of summer, really.
1: That's good. Do you want to just tell us who you are and where you're from and where you're living just to make us all jealous uh, so everyone knows?
0: All right. So my name is Christoph. I work for a company called Fuhrman and we're doing Magento extensions pretty much since day zero. So I've been in the space for a while and try to keep uh, people happy using our software.
1: And you're living in Auckland, how is it with uh, lockdown and everything else, or not lockdown?
0: I think, comparatively, from what I'm hearing from family overseas, we're very, very lucky and very, very fortunate. As in, it's not often that you can say living on a small island at the end of the world is a good place to be. During a global pandemic, that's the place you want to be.
1: I saw like, it's pretty strict over there, so you've had your moments, right, of just complete lockdown not escaped
0: it pretty much my my family overseas are so just flabbergasted when it's so like yeah we got a single case where we don't know where it's coming from we'll lock down a city of one and a half million that's so the 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 price you have to pay you know you, you do these hopefully short little stints and you get the payoff in terms of the rest of the time you're pretty uh
2: unrestricted Christoph, how are you my friend good morning Doing good, doing
1: good. I'm surprised you two even know each other because like, we have a tech master here and a non-tech guy. And I'm su- did you ever talk to each other?
2: I help Christoph with pull requests. Every once in a while, he's like, hey, can you help me with this? I'm like, yeah, we're part of EXD and I'll give you a hand. We go back, way back.
1: How do you remember uh, how we first knew each other? Because we, we did webshop apps and foo man was known to each other right
0: that was the hackathon you you i think you were in the uk at the time
1: yeah i was still living in the uk yeah there was it was that was actually probably one of the best hackathons i went to i think it's
0: pretty much the only one where i actually felt like i was writing something isn't like sure there were a few uh I'd imagine but they were sort of so um Short, I guess you, we're just talking the whole time anyway. Ones that imagines turn more into like a talkathon, as in you, you, you have additional time to catch up with people you actually want to catch up and you can't sort of necessarily write lots of good code while you actually have a discussion.
1: Yeah, that's true. You wasn't in my team. Uh, the team I was in wrote Mage Trash app.
2: <laughs> What's that?
1: So the extensions didn't, un- when you uninstalled an extension, you didn't really uninstall it. So the point of the managed trash app was that it actually properly uninstalled it. So we kind of wrote a prototype for it and then we left it, which is how hackathons go. But uh, it did actually function, which is, yeah, like Christoph was saying, there was time at that hackathon to actually do something constructive. Can you remember what you wrote?
0: I wrote sort of like a bridge between Bhead for functional testing at Magento. There was some prior art, but I didn't quite like the prior art, the approach for it. Um, So I sort of flipped some stuff around and we used that pretty much for most of our M1 testing until we sort of uh, moved to
2: M2. Now that's a good way to do it.
0: Not many people sort of uh, jumped on it, but obviously solved a need for us and um, yeah, was a cool little side project.
2: Can I tell a hackathon story? So 2016, I I went to the wrong room and I sat down at a table full of very nice gentlemen, and uh, it was around the time of Magento 2 and it was like cool guys we're gonna work on a hackathon with Magento 2. I think Karen might have actually sent me to that. Anyways don't remember I sit down next to this guy his name is Stefan and I was talking to him whatever and he's like yeah we're gonna work on this Magento 2 something and I was like cool I don't have Magento 2 running and they're like "Oh, awesome cool we'll teach you how to do it I've got this great Docker box it'll be just a minute (laughs) About 15 minutes later, I went to the bathroom and I just never went back. And I I, I come to find out that that was the CTO of a very, very massive agency. Um, I won't name them. And I saw the guy the next day and he was like, hey, man, where'd you go? And I was like, you recognize me? I thought I could just leave. And so every time I see the guy, he always brings it up to me. Well, fair enough,
0: too. You can't just leave people hanging. They want to help you. I mean, it it was better for me to leave. (laughs) It was better for me to leave. But
1: all of that training has held you in good stead for your job now, right?
0: You two are the dream team, so you,
2: you know you guys make it work. Somehow.
1: We decided that we we're only good at scaling companies to 30, so we need to find the 30-plus person.
2: We're 10 to 30 specialists.
1: We're at 60.
0: Where are you at these days, Christoph? We're still very small in boutique, isn't we sort of have a, I guess, headcount of maybe six, but none of them are full-time except me.
1: I remember this discussion when we were back at the hackathon, Um Many years ago when I I had a bigger team, I think you were just you then. I feel feel like it was just you or maybe you had a little helper on the side. But I remember us very specifically having this discussion about size of company and whether or not, you know, I was very much going the route of, yeah, I'm taking people on and I'm expanding it. And you were very much, we had that whole CEO, founder, tech founder discussion around whether or not like financially you're better off just having a boutique or whether or not you're just going for scale. And I remember even then that me and you were coming at it from different positions, but both respecting each other's position, right? Like I was, because I could see the sense in your position, but I also knew that for, for me, I I was kind of going down a route of scale, right? And it was a different, different thing, right? But it's interesting now to think back on that, right?
0: No, I think that sort of still holds true, isn't it? Like each... Each side has sort of pros and cons and, you know, with scale, you obviously, um, you know, you take on quite a bit of risk, but if you sort of come out the other side, then you obviously have way bigger operation. and You can do lots of other things which we would never be able to do. Um, you know, so it has been amazing to sort of see you grow from those, you know, origins to where you guys are now. It's uh, very, um, yeah, very awesome to see how you have succeeded along the way and being true to yourself
1: you know it's, uh, likewise I think on your side right and I think it comes down to probably I mean if you were going to line up quality of life I reckon you'd probably win on that one right like do you think that you you have a business that's there to support you know, your life or like where's your ambition level lie on the three-man business and stuff like that? Because I do think it's a slightly different perspective to what I have. You know, it's disruptive for me to have to grow this business like it is. Is it? Have you found that equal disruption on your side?
0: We're all very fortunate that we can make choices. As in, like, we can choose how we sort of want to tackle something. Um, And, you know, same on my side, you know, I, I make choices. And I think for some time, um, you know, having family and being able to um, take time when I want to and need to, uh, that has been great. And not sort of having to necessarily double think, oh, we need to close this sale, we need to deliver this feature, we need to uh, sort of be competing in this space. That obviously allowed me to be a lot more um, freedom rather than having sort of a a payroll where I sort of am responsible, uh, looking after all these people as in, um, and that I think that's sort of where I was for the last five years as in, you know, my daughter just, uh, well, we'll be turning six this year. Um, So, you know, like over that time period, that has been uh, pretty amazing.
1: I know, I agree. So where are you with Magento then? I was just thinking like, you know, from an extension app perspective, Like how have you found things recently and especially during COVID and how's your Magento journey going? So
0: obviously things are changing as they always were. As in, you know, like I was just talking to Brent the other day and, you know, like it's it's always, uh, you know, every change people go, oh no, it's the end of the world as we know it. And that that's still true today as it was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago when eBay came onto the scene and it was like, oh, no, eBay, this is the end of Magento as we know it. Um, then it was sort of spun out and, you know, sold to Adobe and that's the end of the world as we know it. And then Ben leaves the ecosystem and that's the end of the world as we know it. So um, I think the reality is uh you know, still lots of merchants are finding Magenta as a viable platform, and all these people have you know different needs and wants. And you know, I'm fairly squarely in the camp of this is my specialty. You know, we've we've built up lots of expertise and solutions over the years, and these solutions still provide value. And I think as long as we are able to provide value on an ongoing basis, that's sort of the space uh, where I want to be. And, you know, so far, you know, our business is not growing and scaling to the same heights as yours, um, but, you know, we're growing as and we're still sort of uh, last, obviously, COVID is sort of a special year, but it has been the most, the biggest year we've had so far. So, you know, as much as people sort of say Magento is on the way out, there's still lots of people using Magento and they will do for for years to come. So um, for me personally at the moment, I think it's the right spot to be in and as I said, this always people who who need a bit of uh, help and I guess um while the business model might change over years um still uh there's a need for people to get assistance with the magenta stores
2: do you see the Magento pond uh shrinking faster than it's growing though like do you ever hear like the siren song of you know big commerce or like a a shopware or a salesforce commerce cloud because I think I think you're one of the few who hasn't really been tempted by that yet
0: well you always sort of look uh around and keep your eyes open isn't that's what you need to do but i do see the change in ecosystem and i saw that you know when magenta 2 came on the scenes and discussions were had and i think what everyone was saying back then still holds true today than it was back then and you know some of it is just natural and i think the um like the sizes of where magenta 1 was with 250 three hundred thousand stores at its heydays that was never going to be replicated with Magenta 2. And I think everyone saw that. Um, you know, to me, it was sort of like a matter of, um, you know, how many of those will be in the Magenta 2 era. Is that so like a big enough uh, poll of merchants which are on the platform? And I was confident that that would be reached. As in, like the, the, the bigger stores and the bigger agencies, you know, they do find... Uh, things they can do on magenta which they can't do on other platforms so uh, will that sort of diminish sort of this whole uh, we do a cheap extension and that it's sort of uh you know by pure volume can be you know, like similar to let's say the wordpress where you know like you have 50 million wordpress sites
2: well, Webshop workshop apps was a volume play i mean we had 50 dollar extensions and you just wanted to sell a bunch of them
0: those days are definitely over and that was always so sort of pretty pretty clear to see that the 250,000 people that were on and one they would never move over to magenta 2 and it? it's it was too big a project uh too much sort of investment in them one uh too uh too
2: high a jump uh there's better options for, you know, like entry place available. What did you do to, as magenta 2 evolve? I mean, one of the things that we did was, is for Shipper HQ, we, we raised our prices. You know, did you, did you have to change the service level? Did you change your pricing? Do you have pricing difference between M1 and M2? Or what, what about that? How did you, how did you evolve?
0: My pricing increase was actually fairly easy. Um, I saw that Magenta marketplace was going to come in and they said, hey, we're gonna take 30% of everything we're gonna be selling. And I were like, okay. How are we going to deal with that Um, to uh, basically increase our M2 prices accordingly? Luckily for me, the marketplace is not as popular because I somehow believe we sort of are able to deliver better services that come direct. You know, most of our um, business is coming through our own website.
1: But there's an issue there, right? You say we just didn't go in the marketplace. We actually did go in the marketplace. And I, I believe that fundamentally this is where Magento really messed up. Um, And I told them this, was that what they didn't do in the marketplace was they didn't charge SaaS companies, but they did charge extension providers.
0: Well, no, they wanted to charge SaaS companies. And that's essentially what they initially wanted to, that's what they signed people on for, as in, but we told them up from the beginning that, how are you going to manage that? As in like, how do you sort of make sure that you capture the value that you create, which is creating a customer for that business through your marketplace, rather than the other way around? Uh, and they didn't really have any good answers. And to be honest, attribution is such a hard one to get right. As in, like, I don't know. The the prime example I've had is, you know, we ran a few Facebook ads, and for you know a few months, Facebook was claiming they contributed 30% of my whole business. Um, and then I turned the ads off and our business was still at the same level. So who was right? As in like if Facebook can do the wildest attributions, how would Magento ever attribute a customer to to their efforts? Um, so because they didn't have any answers, they just saw they just saw dollar signs and they still looked at the App Stores and the Apples. But um, well obviously, it's completely separate business models. And like until such time that you force people to bill through magento.com, there's no way that you're going to take a 30% cut. But anyway, I think that that boat has long sailed. So I think they're sort of happy with where they are at the moment.
1: How do you cope then in that scenario? Like, because I mean, like, this is what I really struggle to see. There's it's interesting to get your take on it. Like with webshop apps, I mean, I just saw a diminishing business, right? Like, yeah, it's okay if you raise your prices 30%, but like they should say, right? Like, But we're, you know, eight years on from probably a original setting of some prices, you know, everything goes up, blah, 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 right? Like Magenta 2 is much more complicated. I mean, that's one of the drivers for us. And then the features of we're adding more features, et cetera. But you're kind of swimming in a thing, as as this is what I saw, where – you know, you've got a lot of, a lot of extensions being be created um, and copied, right, um, very, very cheaply. Yes, it's difficult for them to reproduce exactly what you've got, but they are reproducing it and they are copying it. And then on the other side, you've got this enterprise market that's demanding um, a much greater level of service. So are you really in the extension market app, the sort of software market anymore, or are you actually in the service business now? So I'd be interested to get your take on that because it feels to me like you're probably more in the service business. But I could be wrong.
0: It depends slightly on how you classify But I think something that was true back then, it still holds true today. Is writing an extension is the easy part. But once you release it, supporting it is the hard part. You know, you, you need to maintain it, you need to keep it up to date, you need to be um sort of supplying new versions to keep compatible with new releases, you know, with new features. And that's really where I currently see the market separating. You know, there there are people who are purely in it for the quick buck and, you know, they go, they copy, they copy the idea, but they have no idea of how to actually deal with uh, compatibility issues with new releases, making sure that everything is tested once a new version comes out. And that's sort of one of the areas we have been focusing on on, I guess, trying to educate people more and more in terms of, hey, you know, you have this extension, but half the value is really in us making sure that this keeps on working year after year after year after year. And, you know, pretty much I'm currently off the of view if a Fulmin extension installed and lets you upgrade to, to a magenta version, that means I put attach my name to it that we have tested it with that version.
1: Yeah, but that's all cost, right, from your side. But like... You know, if you're, you know, if you're swimming in an ocean and it's full of fish, that's fantastic. But it seems to me that we're swimming in an ocean now that's really like a pond that's full of whales. Right. And um, the reality on the extension side is that if you're only charging $200 an extension, you've now only got 10 whales instead of 500 goldfish. Well, you can't really monetize on that unless you get in the service business. Do you see what I mean? Like, so like, how, how do you sit there, right?
0: Well, that's where the whole support and upgrade period, I think comes in a lot more in future years and has been already over the years we've been tracking too. So while I don't think it's like a SaaS billing model, you know, it's, it's similar that you sort of will have to get an upgrade to keep using it over the years. And that might be, you know, like you might upgrade once a year, you might upgrade in two years or three years, but at that point there will be different code that you will have to obtain
1: but isn't it the one I'm trying to get out i suppose is that anyone like diminishing returns here because the pond's getting smaller like so less amount right, of people and so m2 people are dropping off they're going elsewhere but the m2 stores that there are become bigger now if you're in the sas space like say super hq it's it's relatively easy for us to monetize that right because we just up the level of service that there is and the level of features, and we're already on a subscription plan which allows much more investment of in that development side, right? Because of the nature of the business model, right? But in your model, effectively, like, you know, in, instead of selling, say, 500 extensions a month, you can only sell 50. So that, that ultimately has an impact on your bottom line revenue, which, unless you either move into the service business or you change the way that you're working, surely creates a end of life at some point or a a lack of ability to scale the business, but then maybe you've never been in that business anyway. I'm just interested in a take on that from a Magento perspective, because it feels to me like it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller in Magento, but bigger and bigger.
0: That's sort of, I guess, the change from us from M1 to M2, right? As in, in M1 days, some people might buy the extension in 2010, and then they come back to us in 2021, and say, Hey, I'm upgrading to Magenta 2, where's my upgrade? And that sort of is no longer happening on M2, right? As in, it's more like they have to come back in a, in a year, and then we can sort of say, Yep, yeah, uh, we've tested a compatible version, we've sort of taken all the work away from you. Uh, this will be working very harmoniously with uh, 2.4.2, and um, please sort of uh, pay for the upgrade period here. And I see there's some benefits of having that through an extension developer rather than uh, having to pay your agency who's basically doing a one-on-one job. Uh, So even while you were saying, yes, we're not selling uh, 500 extensions, but if it's still split between 50, then the effort is still 50 times cheaper than paying an individual agency uh, to do that work. So we are responsible essentially for making sure this will keep on working, 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 working over the years. And because these efforts are split across, you know, across thousands of stores, we can do that more um, at a less cost than if it was done on an individual
2: agency level. This is more from the Magenta One side. Are you, are you still seeing sort of active purchasers on the Magenta One side? Are you seeing people double down or move to these hosted versions that are, you know, have the patches filled?
0: So M1 to me has always been on live support ever since m2 came out the only surprise that i've had with m1 was really how long it lasted is not like in terms of our sales volume you know like i pretty much when m2 came out and i sort of did some thinking of how this would impact our sales and you know how this would sort of go forward my assumption had always been that m1 would essentially more or less fall off a cliff but that didn't happen uh, that was the surprise to me, and it? it was so like a gradual decline.
2: And did M two did M two uptick pace that? Did did they? You know, because I remember I remember very early in the Shipper HQ days that it was Shipper HQ needed to be at X before well, House fell to Y. Did you have a similar thing with that on Magenta One and Magento Two?
0: So they they definitely sort of had different uh, ramps, let's say. Uh, but you know where we are at the moment, it's hardly any M one. We sort of had our most successful year last year, so. You know,
2: the reason this kind of comes to mind is that, you know, for our awesome Magento one, you know, webshop apps had a lot and you know, a lot of these free extensions. And whenever I, whenever Magento 2 came out, we just naturally thought, okay, these guys are going to go directly to Magento 2. And I remember the first customer that went to big commerce and I thought, oh, that's interesting. You're not just going to go directly to Magento 2. And we started seeing sort of the diversification of that. And that actually brought us to some platforms like Salesforce Commerce Cloud. You know, that wasn't a platform that we had a core competency of. It's one that we sort of stumbled into. And then I, I'm just... I don't know if I applaud the applaud the honor or the or the, you know, I don't know what about, you know, you not trying to chase some of these Magento One customers. You know, because that was for us, it was, you know, let's follow them wherever they go. But it sounds like for Magento 2, the uptick there was good enough for y'all.
0: You know, I applaud you for going and cess. As in I always say Karen found the accent through the top. As in, you know, that that's sort of the the, the way to do it, really, as in like you you, you go Magento and then you cessify it. And once you SaaSify it, a new platform is not as hard. But obviously, with us, we hardly do any cess billing. Um, saying that, a part of our business we do, but um, you know that's still fairly focused on on Magento. But once you have the ability to sort of have your core on a SaaS platform, then the connector bit, I presume, I'm not going to say it's easy to connect a new platform because you still got to learn the ins and outs. But it's you don't have to replicate as much on a different platform.
2: So then talking about Magento sort of overall and sort of looking, so taking the step back from sort of Fooman, are you going to be the next Ben Marks?
0: <laughs> not really. As in, I got my own company to run. So therefore, uh, you know, that, that's not going to go away. And obviously, Ben, that's a huge job. And I also am stuck in New Zealand. So. I'm offering it to you.
2: I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a contract bonus. They told me i could get a 26% uh, bonus if I did it. And I'll give you 20%. I'll just take six.
1: What did you make of that news about Ben leaving? Like, and you know, what do you? I mean, you're. I would say one of the kind of stewards of the ecosystem, shall we say? Like, where, where would you? You know, how do you feel about it? Especially, you know, as you we both know the the, the German side is is very, uh, big on Magento community and everything like that, and a lot of those are going over to Shopware, and obviously you're you're a part indirectly of that community, um. You know, just like I am, right? So, how do you, how does it make you feel like um, around all of this?
0: Obviously, huge loss to to the magenta ecosystem, as and Ben is Ben, and you know, he's he's irreplaceable, as and you know, he he's so good at what he does, and you know, he was a rare find, and any ecosystem would be very happy to have him. In a way that he went to shopware, um, as he was saying that the the, um, the trend was already there for. Uh, let's say, smaller and one Magento merchants to move to shopware. That was pre-existing. That is not due to Ben Marks. Uh, you know, that happened for a long, long time. The only thing that really surprised me with uh, Ben is really how how quick he sort of uh, jumped uh, from one ship to the other. You know, I would have uh, hoped he had a bit of a time off in the middle and sort of just slowed down for a little while. But uh, he obviously recharged enough during COVID times that, I think he sort of feels uh, ready to jump onto the to into the next challenge.
1: I think he just wanted a good travel budget myself and uh, he wanted to be able to travel around Europe a lot. I think Ben's a secret European. It's definitely a loss for the ecosystem. But I mean, whether you think that that leaves Magento in general, because it does seem like the European community is moving over to shopware Um, quite significantly, not everyone, and not all, you know, some people are doing both, but we are predominantly American, um, you know, based customers, Um, you know, we have people in England as well, not too much going on in Europe. We do have European customers, but like, how do you think that's going to affect you and how do you see the future of Magento? It's interesting to get your viewpoint, especially seeing as you you kind of see it, I mean, we're sitting here in in Austin, Texas through COVID, and I think it's a different lens, honestly, you over in you know, Auckland, New Zealand, and, and how you see it from there?
0: I always say I don't see all that much because, yeah, I feel so far removed and you, you're sort of more in the heart of it. And, you know, I'm not in Europe at the moment and not sort of in, as much in touch. We're just so close at the moment trying to uh, get, you know, just on individual calls with, you know, our partners and agencies and so sort of see what they're up to. It's always great to have options. As an obviously as a merchant, you know, you want to be. In a space where someone can give you good advice, and you know, like as long as the good advice is sort of solid, and you know, the merchant can sort of take it forward with that, I think that is not detrimental. Sometimes the grass is a bit greener than what you think. As in, you know, obviously Shopware they have come a long way. As in, I think they've only been open source since version four. Um, I talked to someone else the other day. They sort of did the jump when Shopware was at version five. And now they're doing six and five to six is sort of not quite similar in scope to magenta M1 to M2. But, you know, there are obviously huge changes in the code base uh, between those versions. So as a merchant, you know, it's, it's good to talk to different people and, you know, try to understand a little bit what the people are telling you on the other side, you know, what, what's their driver.
2: Who do you see as the biggest competitor to Magento, to Magento then? Like what, what's the, who's, who are we going toe to toe with?
0: It's actually very regional. So for example, New Zealand is pretty much gone to Shopify, uh, a little bit of big commerce. Um, but you know, obviously New Zealand is a very small market, you know, the, all of New Zealand is smaller than LA. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, you get a right size to solution. But saying that, you know, that they're still sort of the the bigger, more complicated sides do go on Magento. So it's yeah, in New Zealand I would say most are going sort of the SAS Shopify mostly a bit of big commerce. Um, but yeah then Europe, I've been hearing quite a bit that the M1 merchants have been going to uh, to shopware if they want to stay open source. Mm-hmm but saying that you know that there's new platforms, depending on when you look, there's something new coming up all the time.
2: I think it's ultimately there's choice, right? I mean, I think that you know the the Magento was beautiful in 2008 and above and past because you could build whatever you wanted. Now it's just turn on whatever you want for the most part. Which I you know I I come from the the SaaS era of e-commerce more so than the open source era of e-commerce. So you know whenever we talk to these customers that were buying Magento one extensions in 2010 you know when they looked at you know re-looking at features you'd go like oh yeah well that's all native in like a big commerce and i'm like oh well shoot that sounds pretty interesting that's why i always enjoy talking to sort of like the the old guard of magento
1: i suppose there's a question there, though, in mean, that like if we you know covid happened and everything else, but if there's another imagine you know our adobe summit i mean number one is like are you going to attend and then number two is, you know, is that is that old guard um, in a way dead, right? Like is there still a Magento community um, that's around right now or have we all moved on, right? Are we all like, you know, like with you, right? You've got, you've got a young family and everything else and like, you know, it's a different way of life. Like are we ever going to get the days of Berlin back? Um, is, is Ben looking for the days of Berlin with shopware? Should we or you, you know, like, I, I honestly, for me, I think I don't ever see it again, right? Like for me, but I just wonder from your side, is it is it a matter of getting on that next train or is there still a community that is magenta?
0: I think there's still heaps of community happening and, you know, there's still of sort of sharing and learning that is still very much alive. And I think, is it ever going to be to the same heights as before? No, but I also think, no other platform necessarily would scale the same heights as in you know, obviously Magento came in at a hugely beneficial timing and they sort of jumped on the scene and cornered. you know like I think in New Zealand was close to 50% of shops were on Magento at some point but I don't see that happening
2: to the same level with a new platform necessarily that is open source you should live in the same times on a Shopify then they're like at nauseum
1: well, are they low? I mean, they they talk it, right? But that's I think that's what Christoph's saying is that there's there's now room for all, right? I mean, Shopify is really good at talking it up. Let's be honest, right? But are they actually walking the walk? Well, it sounds like if Christoph's still making his income full time off of Magento, there's there's still plenty of movement there. And I mean, it sounds to me like Christoph, that you're you're not saying. Do you're leaving it anytime soon, either? I mean, your family, you know, your your eggs are in the magento basket, and they're staying there for a while.
0: I see it as a big commitment as a new platform, as in, you know, like I, I wouldn't want to sort of do it for the doing it's sake. As an, I do understand that, for example, supporting a platform to the level we are, it is lots of specialist knowledge, and you sort of do know the ins and outs, and you sort of, well. Now, every time I say that, I sort of get, uh, get to eat humble pie and you sort of come across something where you go, hey, yes, you know, in 10 years' time, this is new. Like my, my approach to going on a different platform and, you know, immediately being able to offer a similar level of expertise would be sheer impossible. So I, I don't see it as a, hey, we just turn on e-commerce. Hey, we just turn off. Uh, turn on uh, shopware or something, isn't it? Like it, it would be um, something that would take a lot of effort to 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 get it right.
2: And then I, I kind of want to end this on this um, because I think it's important. You know, we we have a lot of listeners that are since we are multi platform. You know, some people might be new to Fooman, so I'm, I would love to open this up to, you know, who, why, and who needs a Fuman extension, and why do we all need them, and what do you guys specialize in.
0: Okay, so we had a bit in the intro that we've sort of been doing Magento extension for a while, and I've been alluding that you know we've we've been specializing in this platform, so we do know how to support it and make sure that people get the most of our code. And currently, these days, I see us as um, feature partnerships, so in the areas of uh, PDFs and attaching them to workflow emails, that's something we've been doing for years. Um, we sort of built what I call a, a surcharge engine, and we can sort of add surcharges to different uh, elements like payment, uh, individual products, uh, you name it. So if that's sort of an area we look into uh, for B2B, that's something we've built the base, which is super flexible, and we can sort of extend it to different use cases. And then we've built a zero integration, which we've been running for a uh, better part of 10 years as well. So anything uh, connecting Magenta to zero, uh, we're more than happy to talk.
2: I have you penciled in as a maybe for our event in Austin in a few months.
0: We'll see if they let us out the country at the moment. I guess your timing is probably too aggressive for New Zealand.
2: Well, my goal is to be like, hey, Christoph, you came here. Now we get to go to New Zealand. I was was looking for a little trade off there.
0: You're always uh, more than welcome to come. Uh, we'll just have to talk to Jacinda to see if she lets you guys in.
2: Christoph, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on Commerce Party and being a friend of the program, the company, and to us each personally.
0: So Looking forward to very much having a, a real beer with you guys uh, sometime soon, somewhere on this planet.
2: Do you think, Do you going to do any events in 2022? I think 2022,
0: I'm, I'm hopeful that our borders are pretty much too well open again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to to come out to to summit uh, and connect with the magenta community
2: at least 2022 is what we're looking forward to then to reunite the shipper hq and Fuman relationship sounds good
1: cheers chris i really appreciate you jumping on
2: awesome thank you so much have a great day appreciate you waking up so early
0: you guys take care